This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 87 of the Catholic Foodie, Sheep, Coins, and Me. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and we're talking sheep today. That's right, sheep, not lamb, but sheep and coins. More about that in a bit, though. Got a hint for you, too. I'm going to tell you what not to leave in your refrigerator. Sarah Vabulous, the Catholic drinky, is not going to be with us today. She's celebrating her birthday. So happy birthday, Sarah. But we will have Sarah Reinhardt with Mary in the Kitchen. I have a few announcements for you. I step on my soapbox a couple of times. And, uh, you know, we're going to have fun. we got some New Testament stuff coming your way. So stick around right here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit more about faith, and I can't, I just can't help it. I've got to, because of some things that I, uh, I've i been praying about and, and things that I read yesterday, and of course today, today's readings in the gospel, oh my goodness, you talk about good stuff. So we're going to talk about that today, and uh, you know, it's going to, basically I'll be serving up, or, or serving up some, uh, some scripture, you know, some good New Testament goodies. Uh, so let us start then with our prayer our before meals prayer. Jesus in Luke 15, Luke chapter 15, and in many other places in the gospel, we are told that you ate with tax collectors and sinners. You shared meals with them regularly. And in 1 Timothy, Paul assures us that you came into the world to save sinners. Your love and mercy are so great. Grant, Lord Jesus, that as we join around this table, we may have your heart. May we look at each other with the same love and compassion you have for the tax collectors and sinners and for us. Lord Jesus, bless each one of us and these gifts which we're about to receive. Amen. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of a can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. As I mentioned in the intro there, we will not have our aperitif section or segment today. Sarah Vabulous, the Catholic Drinky, will return next week with her mouth-watering libations. Until then, happy birthday, Sarah. You might want to say a little prayer for Sarah on her birthday. It's a pretty big deal. I will take this opportunity to thank our sponsor, DivineOffice.org, creators of the Divine Office iPhone and iPad app. Man, I, I cannot recommend this app enough. This is, it has been a powerful thing in my life, and I'm going to tell you more about that later. Uh, But, you know, if you have an iPhone or an iPad app and you want to grow in prayer, I highly recommend that you consider getting this app. There was one user, matter of fact, on their website at divineoffice.org that that their testimonial was that the price of their, or this app, I should say, the, uh, the Divine Office app was worth the price of their iPhone alone, that one app which I think is a pretty pretty strong testimonial. But if you want to learn more about why I love this app so much and how it has helped me to grow in prayer, then go to catholicfoodie.com slash divineoffice. Thank you once again from the, from the fine folks or to the fine folks over at divineoffice.org. You heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sorry. True love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Well, I have to admit, folks, that our appetizer today is not so appetizing. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what not to leave in your fridge for too long. Oh, my goodness. If you, if you listen to last episode, you know we were in Florida, right? We were in Florida for probably five days, four days, I think, four days. And uh, we, we came back into town and slept. We got in late, about 9, 10 o'clock at night, 
we had to get up and leave again the next morning early uh, to go to Baton Rouge for a funeral. And I don't know if I've told you about the funeral yet. I guess I guess I haven't. Anyway, um, so we were gone. We were gone for practically, let's say, five or six days. Prior to uh, our departure for Florida, Char purchased something, <laughs> food, food that goes in the fridge. I'm not going to tell you yet what it was. Uh, because this, this is, this is something that, uh, well, you know, you're gone, you forget stuff, you put stuff in the fridge, you forget it. You have no idea. Uh, you don't even remember you bought it, you know? And, and that's kind of what happened to us yesterday, or maybe, maybe a day and a half ago, I was in the kitchen cleaning, cooking, and there was just this smell, you know, and I, and I couldn't place it. Like where, where is this smell coming from? And I would go to like one part of the kitchen. That's where I thought it was coming from. And I'd smell, I'd sniff and uh, nothing. It, it was fine. So I go to another part. I go over there by the sink, you know, and I, I kind of sort of think I smell it, but not really. And then I go by the garbage can thinking, hey, maybe the garbage is old in here and it should be taken out. I go and I look in there and nothing. I, I smell nothing. Yet when I kind of go back to the middle of the kitchen, I'm smelling. It's like it, it's like just bad. I mean, just bad. Couldn't figure it out. Well, it wasn't. A matter of fact, I even I looked in the fridge, smelled. It smelled funny, kind of strong, but it wasn't. I, I just couldn't place it. I just couldn't place it. Char had made yesterday, or maybe it was a day and a half ago, she made this uh, split pea soup, which she makes on a regular basis. Really good carrots, all that stuff. I'm not a fan of split pea soup, so I don't usually eat it or eat much of it, but the, the rest of the family loves it. So they eat it anyway. Uh, so I, I thought, well, maybe it was the, we use a lot of garlic. I thought maybe it was just too much garlic or some other spices that Char put in there. And, and you know, it just makes this kind of smell. I don't know, but it got worse. And today, this morning, it was just so bad. I went in the kitchen to make myself some coffee and I came out drinking my coffee, came into my bedroom and it's like I could still smell it. It, it, it kind of stuck to me. And I, I hate that. I hate when that happens. Anyway, just before I sat down here to do the show, right before Char left to go pray at the Adoration Chapel, she comes in giggling. <laughs> comes in the room giggling. She goes, I figured it out. I know what it is. I found the source of the stench. And you know what it was? Mustard greens. Old mustard greens. <laughs> we bought those or she she picked those up before we went to Florida. It was probably, I don't know, even a few days before we went to Florida. Uh, but we ended up, uh, I believe if I remember correctly, we ended up eating with some friends of ours one day prior to leaving for Florida. So we weren't here. Anyway, we never cooked them and, and forgot all about them. They were in that, you know, you got the little crisper drawer in your fridge down there. They were down there. They were down there doing something for days that is just ungodly. So please check your fridge often. If you start to smell something in your kitchen, that should probably be the first place you check. That stuff is god-awful, awful, awful stuff. And uh, I mean, we're going to have to go fumigate the kitchen or something, but it's just don't do that. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. So that's like an unappetizing appetizer for today, but... That's not it. I do have some good things, too. And uh, I've got a few shout-outs for you. The first shout-out is really a big thank you to Sean McGahee, the duct tape guy. He's the guy over there, the, the famous guy over at Catholic Roundup, the Catholic Roundup podcast at catholicroundup.com, who does a fantastic job rounding up all the, the, the various Catholic media that, that we have uh, being produced all over the place, all over the web, right? Where blogs and podcasts and all kind of good stuff, uh, videos, all that. So uh, please do go visit Sean at uh, CatholicRoundup.com. He's got some great stuff there. But I want to thank him in particular for the fantastic audio rosary that he put together, this audio rosary that features many of the folks who attended the CNMC last month in Boston. You can find the complete audio rosary by going to CatholicRoundup.com and let's see, this is a little bit long, but I'll give it to you. And then you can, um, matter of fact, let me just do this. CatholicRoundup.com, and when you look at the the, the tagline, the, uh, what do you call those things, tabs, the tab bar at the top, you will see one that says CNMC 2010. Click on that, and you'll find the audio rosary. 
Uh, also, maybe able to find it there in the Catholic Roundup podcast feed. So if you want to do that, you can go to, to iTunes and uh, subscribe to the Catholic Roundup podcast. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate that, and I know a lot of people do as well. Uh, second shout-out goes to Justin Combs. Justin is uh, one of the, the two guys that make up the band The Jacob's Well Experience, which you can find at thejacobswellexperience.com. You know, he tweeted me the other day. We talk from time to time on Twitter. Matter of fact, I had a night, I guess, about uh, two weeks ago where I was just really stressed out. And so I uh, I was listening to some music. Sometimes when I'm stressed, I'll listen to music trying to kind of, you know, chill out or whatever. Except the music I tend to listen to when I'm stressed is not good, wholesome Christian music. When I'm really stressed, I tend to listen to, like, the, the stuff I used to listen to when I was in college. <laughs> Crazy stuff, you know. So I was listening to Nirvana, believe it or not, Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, and uh, I tweeted that. I was just, you know, 11.30 at night, I'm listening to this music, kind of giddy and stressed out, and I tweeted that I'm listening to Nirvana. Well, he tweets me back and says, boy, I never thought I'd hear that from you. <laughs> I said, oh, my goodness. So anyway, we tweeted back and forth back then, and anyway, he he tweeted again. He He messaged me. Uh, just the other day, and he asked for my red beans and rice recipe, and uh, I pointed him into the right direction, and uh, he made it. He made it. He he told me yesterday he made it for his wife, and uh, and that she liked it. So way to go, Justin. I I, I think that's great. Uh, congratulations. It's wonderful. Keep it up, and uh, and bon appetit. Another shout out goes to Faith and Family Live, which you can find at faithandfamilylive.com. Danielle Bean, all right, Danielle Bean of Faith and Family Live, which is a fantastic Catholic blog and podcast, uh, has invited me to be a guest blogger for this week. That means that you will find at least one post a day from me over at faithandfamilylive.com. I am very excited about this. I love the Faith and Family Live podcast. I, you know, the the ministry, the main ministry for Faith and Family Live, really is uh, is directed or focused, you know, toward women, which is a good thing, you know. Uh, so they they're asking this man, <laughs> the Catholic foodie, to come on and talk about food and faith and uh, all that for the week. So Monday through Friday, what you're going to find Monday through Friday is a post, at least one post a day from me uh, on food, faith, and all the good stuff that we talk about over here at the Catholic Foodie. Also, I'm going to produce this week a special episode for Faith and Family Live. So you will have a a new podcast, a special episode of The Catholic Foodie from the Faith and Family Live uh, uh, website. So please do remember to visit me over there this week at faithandfamilylive.com and comment. Comment on those posts I put up over there. I'd appreciate that. I'd love to meet you there and to talk with you via the comments over at Faith and Family live.com. So I will see you there. And finally, a final reminder here. This is the final shout out. I guess it's my own shout out. It's a reminder of the new Catholic Foodie newsletter. First issue will go out around the 20th of this month. That means, you know, it's only like uh, eight days away, folks, eight days away. So if you have not yet signed up for the newsletter, please go to catholicfoodie.com slash newsletter and sign up. And uh, I can't begin to tell you how excited I am about the newsletter and about the great people. I've got some great people lined up who are going to contribute to the newsletter. So very excited about that. And uh, I think that you're going to love it. So go ahead, go over to catholicfoodie.com slash newsletter and sign up. When you come to my house and I cook for you. Okay. Oh, yeah, that might be a problem. What's the problem? I'm the best cook in the family, tell you. Oh, I did, didn't I? Twice. Okay, then. <laughs> oh. um, it's just, uh, yeah. Ian is a vegetarian. He doesn't eat meat. He don't eat no meat? No, he doesn't eat meat. What do you mean he don't eat no meat? Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I make lamb. <laughs> Well, he doesn't eat meat. Wow. That sounds like a good uh, start there for our salad segment. You know, the salad segment is supposed to be uh, or supposed to have to do with health, right? It has to do with health. 
And uh, in, in that regards, I have sort of a confession to make. Um, you know, I, I haven't always been the healthiest eater. <laughs> uh, you know, I know it's hard to believe, uh, but it's true. And for some reason, beyond my understanding, I'm getting on something of a health kick here, uh, which is pretty amazing, and, and Char's kind of floored, okay? Uh, I'm making some changes to my diet, and I'm going to tell you more specifics later, but suffice it to say that I'm not only starting to exercise every day, which is very important, and I know that I, I, I've i been knowing for a long time I needed to do that daily. Uh, I'm finally now, for whatever reason, it's probably just the grace of God, I'm, I'm probably now just, uh, well, I'm getting into it now. So um, daily exercise, but besides that, I'm also going to start preparing healthier meals. Uh, you know, <laughs> I wish I can give you like a ton of examples. I don't know if I can. The, the The food that we have down here in South Louisiana tends to be very, uh, well, uh, uh, it, it can be very unhealthy, you know. I mean, we have red beans and rice. Beans are good. They're good for you. But when you have like a ton of sausage in it or <laughs> you have like a ton of um uh, I don't know, uh, 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 butter or oil or whatever, then it's not really as healthy as you would think it would be for beans. Uh, if you have jambalaya and it's full of meat and full of all kind of stuff, you know, then it may not be as healthy. And also white rice, it's made with white, white rice, uh, may not be as healthy as you would like it to be. Same thing with, with gumbo. Uh, although gumbo is really good. It's really healthy. <laughs> So anyway, I'm going to start to do, I'm starting to make some changes here, and I, I, this is very new. It's all just now happening. I kind of started this past week, and, and so I'm, I'm really kind of raw here in, in what I'm trying to share with you. I don't know how to word things even. I, I just want to say that uh, I am making some changes, and I'm going to share those changes with you as, as it progresses, as it goes on, and to see you know how, how exactly that uh, impacts me and my own, my own life. So um, one thing is I'm going to try to start preparing healthier meals, and that means I need some healthier uh, recipes. I need, I need you to, to send me something. So uh, if you have any, you can always submit them there at catholicfoodie.com slash add recipe, and uh, I'll, I'll check out your recipes, and we'll post them there on the site with your name on it as the contributor, and uh, you know, we'll, you know, we'll give it a whirl. I'll, I'll see how how they test out here in my kitchen. So that'll be fun. But I do want to kind of uh, maybe give you some tips as to what I'm talking about when I talk about healthier eating. And this is this is where I'm coming from, okay? I'm looking for natural. I'm looking for natural. I'm trying to get away from artificial. That's the main thrust here. Uh, I'm trying to, first of all, what I'm going to do is I'm eliminating sugar for the most part, okay? What do I mean by that? I mean that, you know, I'm not going to have like desserts, um, you know, like an apple pie or like the other night we had the, uh, some, some like birthday cake or whatever. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to have those kinds of desserts, that kind of sugar, but I will have like, you know, the, the, there's natural sugars and fruit. So I'll, I'll eat fruit. Um, I'm not going, I usually put just a, just a touch, not much, just a touch of sugar in my coffee every every morning. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to drink my coffee without sugar. So that's it. And I love honey. That's one thing I love. And I see uh, Inga in the chat room. She's mentioning honey. I, I, I love honey and I do use it, but it's only raw honey. Uh, we, we get raw honey from a guy local right around the corner here. Good stuff. Uh, but I'm not even going to use that in my coffee in the morning. Now, what I will do is use honey from time to time when I really need a sweetener for something that I'm cooking or uh, if it's appropriate for the dish or whatever, I'll use that. Uh, but no sugar, no white refined sugar. Okay, that's out. Um, you know, and there are, there are foods that you eat that'll have sugar in it, and that's fine with me um, if I'm out somewhere and, and someone else has prepared the food and it's got sugar in the food. That's okay. Okay, that's all right. But uh, I'm not going to add it to my food. So that's one thing. Sugar's out. Also, absolutely, absolutely, 100% nixing is gone. High fructose corn syrup, all right? I've already have not been a fan of that for a long, long time. You know, that stuff didn't even exist until 1957. Didn't even exist until 1957. 
And you understand that it's really just a molecular, um, uh, is molecularly modified, that it, that corn in and of itself does not even contain fructose? Isn't it bizarre? It contains glucose, and they add this, uh, this, this simulated thing, synthetic thing. I don't know all the fancy terminology here, but they add that to the glucose that they get from the, the corn, and it converts it, it changes it, it modifies it into fructose. But not only fructose, but like a supercharged fructose, so you can make it really, really sweet. Didn't exist until 1957. Look, folks, God didn't put that stuff here. <laughs> you know, he didn't put it here. We did. And guess what drives it? Not health concerns, money. Money, it's big business. It's big business. And so high fructose corn syrup is pushed. And, you know, you can still go in other countries. I think when I was in Honduras, it was like this. They have, you know, Coca-Cola has plants all over the world. Coca-Cola, the plant in Honduras, guess what? They make their Coke with sugar, not high high fructose corn syrup, sugar. And sugar is not really healthy for you, but it's a lot more healthier than high fructose corn syrup. So that's out, okay? That's gone. We're looking for natural, remember? Natural, not artificial. Matter of fact, and I have to tell you more about this later, but there was a company recently that sent me some salad dressings to to taste and hopefully to review for them. And I've, I've been really kind of um, um, in a quandary because I don't want to necessarily give it a really bad review. They taste great, but the ingredients pardon the expression, suck. They're terrible. It's bad for you. And they said something about the fact that they're, you know, uh, been making great salad dressing since 1889. Well, guess what? They didn't have high fructose corn syrup, the first ingredient on the back of your label, until 1957. So you obviously aren't making the same salad dressings you were making back in 1889. You know what I'm saying? I just, I, I can't tell you how angry I get when I think about the health issues we have in the United States, and they're all driven by money. They're all driven by companies wanting to make a profit, wanting to do business, and it's all a business concern, and it's not about humans, human beings, people. It's not about people, and I get angry about this, uh, and I'm getting angry right now as I talk about it. It's just not right. It is not right. And yet, we get accustomed to it. Matter of fact, Char told me that recently there was a um, an ad campaign launched trying to show that high fructose corn syrup is actually healthy for you. I mean, you got to be an idiot to believe that. I mean, that's, that's just unbelievable. Well, you know, I take that back. You have to be an idiot to try to get other people to believe that. It's wrong. It's wrong. You look at all the studies that have that have been done on the on the how, how bad that stuff is, but you know with the the miracle of media, I let me media is great, and 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 this new media stuff is wonderful. But guess what? Guess what? People can spin things in any way they want. I mean, that's one of the things. I, one of the reasons why I like new media is because everybody becomes a content producer. Everybody has a say, and so you can go to the man on the street and get the real deal. Whereas, you know, CNN and MSNBC and, and all these other whoever uh, uh, professional news story people are giving you a spin on things. Like, for instance, <clears throat> should I even mention <clears throat> the Gulf oil spill, right? You talk about some wool being pulled over our eyes by the media by the traditional media. But you have content producers, regular Joes like me, like you, regular folks out there on the street with a flip cam or a, a, a digital recorder or a, a, an iPhone that can record things. And what are they doing? They're reporting as a normal human being to other normal human beings what's going on right there in the street. Now, is some of that stuff full of, full of bunk too? Absolutely. So is, you know, everything you pick up and read in the newspaper. You can't believe all of that. You can't believe everything you, you see on TV. 
you have to, you know, we all have to become, I guess, kind of like media savvy and, and kind of, or media literate, I think is what they call it, to where we can kind of pick and choose who we're going to believe and who we don't believe. You know, who's coming across and is genuine and sounds right and who doesn't? It's the same thing with picking friends, you know? You got some people that you meet who obviously would be a good influence on you, be a good friend. Well, you become their friend. You have other people you meet and you know for a fact, or at least your mom and dad knew, <laughs> they are not a good influence, right? You got to kind of discern these things. Same thing with the new media. Where was I? <laughs> got completely off topic here. Uh, yeah, I think I was saying how uh, I get angry. I get angry about this whole uh, 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 unhealthy stuff. Businesses that are producing chemicals that they're putting in our foods that that's just not good stuff, but they portray it to us as if it is. You know, it's funny. It's like they don't mention it at all as long as people aren't talking about it and people don't realize it. It's kind of like the devil. It is kind of like the devil now that I think about it. You know, the devil, he, he, the one thing he doesn't want you to think about is sin. Don't want you to think about sin. So if you're not thinking about sin, well, of course the devil's not going to say anything to you about sin. He's not going come to come up to you and say, hey, sin is good. Why would he do that? You don't even think about it. You're probably in sin and don't even think about it. But when you finally come to your senses and realize that you're in sin or that there is a such thing as sin, what does the devil do? He, now he's going to talk to you, but he's going to talk to you and try to make you think, hey, that's not a sin. You're okay. That's not a sin. The, the, these businesses are like that. These companies producing this garbage are saying, hey, um, you know, as long as the, the consumer doesn't ask any questions, hey, we're not going to say anything. We're not going to tell you high fructose corn syrup, syrup is even in there. Oh, we have to put it on the label, sure, but nobody breathes that. Oh, but now you got a big groundswell of people who are saying this stuff is evil, stay away from it. You got articles being written and people doing podcasts about the 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 health, the damage to, to health that this kind of stuff creates. And so now what? You got this industry saying, Oh, well now we're gonna address it, but we're gonna we're gonna make commercials that show how healthy high fructose corn syrup is. <laughs> well, it's nice to follow the devil's example, I guess. If you're in it, you know, just to make money, you don't care about human beings. But all right, on to my next thing. No white rice, okay? <laughs> How you like this? No white rice, no bread, no white pasta. Uh, three things that I love. I love white bread. I love uh, white rice. I love pasta. But we're going to go with brown rice. We're going to go with uh, whole wheat bread. And I'm not talking about whole wheat bread that's got high fructose corn syrup in it. I'm talking about whole wheat bread. See, I think what's going to happen, I'm going to wind up making a lot of this food myself, my own bread. Why? Because it's going to be so hard to go into a store and find bread that does not have high fructose corn syrup in it. It's just nearly impossible. So anyway, uh, pasta, if we eat pasta, it's going to be wheat pasta. So those are some of the things, just a few examples there that I'm going to give you now, and I'll let you know more as this thing unfolds. But hey, we've got new things happening over here in the life of Jeff Young. <laughs> um, just just going to try to eat more naturally, try to moderate the amount of food that I eat each meal. And, and I'm doing that because I think I need to feel hungry. You know, I need to feel hungry. Uh, hoping, my prayer is that by feeling a little hungry physically between meals, that it's going to remind me that I need to be more hungry for God. That's my hope. That is definitely my hope. I'm not really doing this to lose weight, though I could stand to lose a few pounds. That's true, very true. Uh, I'm doing this because I need, I, I know that I need to eat more healthily and I want to develop those new habits and I want to see how that, how that will play out on my health in general. You know, how will that improve my health in general? You know, and we can, we can splurge every now and then. We can eat some of our good Cajun Creole and Lebanese stuff, you know. We can definitely do that. Um, but, but this is going to be kind of like a new trying to, to get a new habit going here. So I will keep you informed uh, about that as we go along. But anyway, so what about you? That's my, my health word and what's going on in my health world uh, over here at the Catholic Foodie. What about you? I'd love to know. Give me a call, 985-635-4974 or email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. 
smells good. Those, uh, goodies in there. Granny, Granny Pocket, the goody lady? My goodness, she makes some good goodies. She's got a thing. It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, cookies, shortbread chocolate icing between very... It's good. Uh, it's very good. Well, here's our main dish for the day. And uh, it's funny, we had that little bumper there. It talks about good goodies, right? Makes you think of uh, maybe dessert. Well, guess what? Uh, this is not going to be dessert. This is going to be the goodies or the, the good stuff of the Word of God. And, uh, you know, I haven't really preached here a long, in a long time. I, I typically don't preach, but today uh, you might want to pull your Bibles out because uh, <laughs> we're going to get into it, okay? Uh, I have been reading the Scriptures a lot lately. I, I, I know I've said this before, but I love the Bible. I love Scripture, and I've been praying the Bible, reading the Bible for uh, for a long time, for years and years I've uh, been teaching the Bible in some way, shape, or form for about 17-plus years. So I love it. I love it. And uh, unfortunately, there are times in my life when I haven't I haven't um, um, allowed it to influence my day-to-day life, my day-to-day decisions as much, okay? You know, times when I got a little heady, kind of intellectual, kind of um, uh, theological, and really, I don't know, just... Um, uh, it's all up here in the head and not really being lived out every day in my life, affecting the decisions I make every day. I don't know if I'm making myself clear here, but there are definitely times in my life when that has been the case. And I think that stems from the fact that I really am an intellectual in some respect. I mean, I was a teacher and I, you know, uh, I loved being a student. I studied uh, very well, loved, got, always got great grades because I just threw myself into it. I couldn't couldn't stop, you know. I used to get high off of reading philosophies. Crazy. Anyway, uh, uh, but the other day, I mean, the Lord just, man, just socked me right between the eyes, and I, I couldn't believe it. I was reading this one section in uh, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, Luke's Gospel, where uh, Jesus is, uh, let me see if I can find it here. Well, Jesus is preaching. He's, he's doing all kind of stuff here. Uh, if I can find that page, here we go. All right, you may remember the the he's he's uh, in Luke's gospel. He is doing um, uh, the sermon in the valley, right? In Matthew, it call it's called the sermon in the, on the mount. In Luke's gospel, he's actually in a valley in the same kind of teaching, same basic teachings. But look down in uh, verse forty six. I got to verse forty six of chapter six of Luke, and it says, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord?" and not put into practice what I teach you. I, I felt like I'd been slapped in the face. I was like, oh my goodness, you're right. That's what I've been doing lately. It's all been in my head. I haven't been allowing you, Lord, to influence in Scripture, to influence my daily decisions. I haven't. I've been all in my head. This is crazy. But man, you talk about a wake-up call. I felt like I got slapped in the face. And he says, right after that, he says, any man who desires to come to me will hear my words and put them into practice. Into practice, you know? So Scripture isn't just about theology, although theology is wonderful and we need it. It's not all about theology. It's also about the practical, th- the, way we, the way we live our lives, you know, the decisions we make, what we do in our, in, our, in our day-to-day lives. So having said that, I can say that I've really been getting into Scripture again a lot not from a heady perspective, but from a practical perspective. And I want to mention something, you know, we, we, you may have heard of, if, you, if you're on Twitter or you're anywhere in the Catholic uh, podcasting new media world, you're on Facebook or Twitter, you may have heard of Brother Jair, oh, Bro Jair, Brother Jair. Brother Jair, uh, who's sick right now, by the way, you may want to say a prayer for him. Um, you could check his status over at Facebook and see how he's doing, but he's been sick for a few days. You may, may want to say a little prayer. Uh, Brother Jer, he he had a really good uh, friendship and was part, I guess, I don't know the whole story, you'd have to ask him, but uh, he's involved in some way, shape, or form with Presentation Ministries, which you can find at presentationministries.com. Um, this was started back, I think, in the 80s with Father Al Lauer, and Father Al is now deceased. He, he died, I think, of uh, liver cancer, I believe. Anyway, you talk about a powerful, powerful preacher, Catholic priest who just he preaches like, man, as a Catholic preach, uh, preacher that uh, priest that preaches like a 
Protestant preacher. Try to say that real fast. <laughs> I mean, he can preach, you know. And he has been involved in media in some way, shape, or form, or had been for years and years and years. They produce a, a book of meditations uh, called One Bread, One Body, Catholic Meditations. The whole goal of that, by the way, is to try to get people back to daily Mass. Back to daily Mass. So um, One Bread, One Body, you can find that over at, uh, present, at presentationministries.com. Uh, they also, he did for a long, long time, for years and years, he did a Daily Bread radio program, and which now they have converted into a podcast. So great stuff, great stuff, great stuff. Can't tell you how much I love this stuff. Uh, all practical, practical stuff, right? Things that can really help me and you in our daily lives to follow Jesus and to make our decisions based upon uh, uh, our faith and based upon the teachings of Jesus and Scripture. So I can't recommend that highly enough. Go go check that out. As a matter of fact, you can even sign up online. You can sign up uh, at presentationministries.com, and they'll send you a daily email of the meditation of the day from One Bread, One Body. Uh, so that's I get the little booklet, but you know you can get it right there online too. They're all available, all the past uh, issues and all that. It's all there online. They're really good stuff. they got pamphlets and all that. Anyway, I've been looking at some of that stuff and listening to some of Father Al's preaching about Scripture, and that's what really kind of clinched it for me and kind of kind of helped me to get my feet back into the Word of God. And uh, when I came across, I read yesterday the reading for today's Mass, right, from the Gospel of Luke, the reading from today's Mass. Oh, my goodness, I can't tell you. This is incredible, folks, and I hope, first of all, that you were at Mass today and you heard this. I also hope, because at least in the United States, they gave you the option. They gave the priest the option. You could read the short version or the long version. And I hope, I hope your priest read the long version if you're in the States. Other countries, I don't know if they give you the option or not. Um, basically, the reading, the gospel reading today was the entire chapter 15 of Luke's gospel, the entire thing. And it's three parables of God's mercy, okay? This is the dish I'm serving you today. <laughs> it is a dish of, of, of solid food, right? This is the word of God. Uh, three parables of mercy, the first one is the, the shepherd, right? The, the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go after the one. The second is the woman with the 10 silver coins who loses one. And so she scours the house, goes all over the place trying to find it. And then the third parable is, of course, the prodigal son, which everybody, I think, and their dog knows that, right? We've all heard about the prodigal son. So this is powerful stuff. And I was thinking about this. I heard this on uh, Father Al's, uh, one of one of the, the talks that he gave uh, on the, the Daily Bread radio program, which is also now, as I said, is a podcast. You can subscribe over at iTunes, Daily Bread. Um, he made this comment, right? The, the first parable, listen to this. It's a short one, real quick. The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, at which the Pharisees and scribes murmured, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them, which is really cool. Me and you, sinners, Jesus welcomes us and eats with us, right? He joins us around the table. He eats with us. Catholic foodie stuff, right? Um, he says, uh, okay, so Jesus addressed this parable to them. He says, who among you, if he had a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wasteland and follow the lost one until he finds it? And when he finds it, he puts it on his shoulders in jubilation. Once arrived home, he invites friends and neighbors in and says to them, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, there will likewise be more joy in heaven over one repentant sinner than over 99 righteous people who have no need to repent. See, first of all, this struck me so powerfully, I think, because I was that sinner, right? I mentioned to you just a, a few minutes ago of the slap in the face I felt like I got when uh, Jesus mentions in chapter 6, Lord, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not put into practice what I teach you? I was like, whoa, you got it. Okay, you don't need to repent. So this spoke to me, but listen to this. Jesus is addressing this to the scribes and the Pharisees, and he asks this question, and he asks it in such a fashion as if everybody knows the answer. And see, me and you, we hear this parable. We've heard it probably several times in our life, and so it doesn't really affect us the same way as it would if we were hearing it from the standpoint of the first 
people there at that at that time, right? The people that Jesus first said this to. I mean, to them it was probably kind of shocking. I'm gonna tell you why. For us, we keep, you know, we hear this every year at least, but we've probably heard it many, many times in our life. So we don't really get the full impact of it. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. Jesus says, you know, who among you wouldn't do this, right? Wouldn't leave the 99 and go after the one. Well, the answer is really, nobody would. (laughs) Nobody would. Where's he leaving them? In the wasteland, this translation says. Another one says in the desert, right? They're not where they're protected. And the only protector you have out there is the shepherd. And so you're not going to leave 99 sheep out there in the middle of nowhere where wolves and animals, other kind of, you know, sheep-eating animals can attack them. You're not going to do that. If that one is lost, well, you lost one. Try not to lose the 99. This really shows us the love of God and the mercy of God because God is the one who goes, the good shepherd, Jesus, is the one who goes after that, that lost sheep. He does leave the 99. And the trick there is there really isn't a 99, if you think about it, right? How many righteous people, truly righteous people, non-sinners are there in the world? I mean, we can be repentant sinners, absolutely. But that means that we're just one of those sheep who was saved. We're not one of the ones that didn't need to be saved. On this side of heaven, there really are no righteous ones. There really are, the 99 really aren't there. Each one of us has been saved in some way, shape, or form by Jesus. So that's one of the, 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 the tricks there. So Jesus is the one who leaves the 99 and comes after us and saves us. Now, what does he do? Notice in, in the story, he does not go back to the 99. He goes home. He carries the lamb in jubilation, Right? That's some serious excitement when you're jubilating. That's, that is serious. And he goes home carrying the lamb. And then what happens? He invites friends and family uh, over, and they have a huge party because he has his lamb back, this lamb that was lost and is now found. This is powerful because it shows us how much God loves us. It shows us God's mercy, and it's so different than what we would do, right? So different than what we would do. You see the same thing happening. It, well, it says here, you know, this is, goes to show you what happens in heaven over one repentant sinner, which makes me think that every time I go to confession, we have to have a party, y'all. <laughs> we got to do something to celebrate. I mean, it's a big deal, repenting and coming back to the Lord. So he gives the other story, too, the next story being uh, the woman with the coin. We don't really know how much the coin was worth, but she had, you know, the, the, the point of the story is the same context as the first one. He's saying, who wouldn't? Who among you wouldn't do this? And then you throw a party. Well, think about this. You're excited about finding your one coin. You're probably going to blow way more than that one coin on throwing a big party with all your friends and family. You know, it, it's kind of what, what it's kind of saying is God's love and God's mercy doesn't really make sense to us. We try to understand it from a standpoint where it wouldn't make sense for us. And so we have a, an image of God as like a, a, a um, um, you know, a, 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 golly, I'm losing my, my train of thought here. What is it called? Uh, you know, someone with a ledger. He keeps track of, you know, your good points, your good deeds, and your bad deeds and all of that. Um, it, God's not like that. God isn't like us. He's not like us at all when it comes to love and mercy. You know, love, by the way, Anytime after, after the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, anytime you read love in the Bible, the word love in the Bible, in English, we, we, our understanding of the word love is so warped. You know, I love pizza. I love, you can say, I love you to whoever, right? I love pizza. I love you, God. It, it doesn't make, it just, it's not, that, it's not deep enough. It's not strong enough. So what I try to do is whenever I, I read that word love in the Bible, I'm thinking specifically about the self-sacrificing love that Jesus had, which led him to give his life up for me, right? It led him to the cross. So it's sort of, it's a sacrificial love. That's what we're talking about. So the, the love of God, the mercy of God, it's a sacrificial love, a give it of himself for us. Now, here's the deal. The, 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 the clincher here, 
right? The, the high point, the, the climax of these three parables is the last one, the third. You have the prodigal son. The son is off. The son is uh, living a sinful life, you know, a life of dissipation. And uh, finally he comes to his knees. He comes to his senses, it says. Comes to his senses because sin, by its very nature, numbs us to sin. We, we don't, when we're in sin, it's hard for us to recognize that we're in sin because sin kind of blinds us to itself. It's really a wicked thing. And, you know, finally he comes to his senses and realizes his bad situation and says, hey, what am I going to do? Why don't I go back to my father and try to have him hire me as, a, as just a, a worker uh, because, you know, they, they at least get to eat. So he comes up with this big old plan, right? The big old plan is, hey, uh, you know, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just, hire, you know, take me on his hired hand. And, and you can imagine him on that road practicing his, his confession. He's working on this confession. And the funny thing about this is he, he comes up with this confession that he stands up and makes that decision to go back to the father, okay? And what is the father doing? Meanwhile, the father's at home. He's not at home playing like we <laughs> or cards or, uh, you know, cooking in the kitchen or whatever. What is he doing? He's on the front porch. He's kind of, you know, looking out the horizon, looking for a son. And when he sees the son out there, he runs to the son. He runs to his son. And what does his son, what, what does his son do? His son's like trying to give his confession, make his confession, right? Trying to make his confession. But the father didn't even let him finish, doesn't even acknowledge it, does not even acknowledge it. Instead, he says to his servants, hey, you know, put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet. For my son is returned. You know, he's dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. Doesn't even let him finish his confession. I mean, to me, this speaks so much about how God deals with me. If I'm lost in sin and I need to repent, I come to my senses and realize that, hey, I do need to repent. I kind of open my eyes, you know, and I start to formulate, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I say, you know, oh, my God, I'm hardly sorry for having offended you, right? The act of contrition. And what happens? Before I even start to, to, to walk toward the confessional, God is running toward me and restoring me to, to, his, to his, his family, right, to himself. Does that mean I don't have to go to confession? No, it doesn't mean that. Because Jesus made it very clear in the Gospels and the early church histories through, through, through the apostles that confession is indeed a sacrament instituted by Christ and it's the normal way through which God forgives sins. But if you look at the catechism, catechism is very clear to say that it's not the only way that God forgives sins. It's the normal way, but not the only way. So God rushes to us as soon as we start to repent. And... Uh, doesn't even let his son finish his confession before he's, you know, embracing him and, 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 and restoring him to, him to himself. It's just amazing. This is how God is with us. This is how God is. I'm just blown away by this. And I guess one other point I should make is notice that the son does not have what we would call us educated Catholics, what we would call Perfect contrition. He's not upset because he offended his father and hurt his father. He's upset because he's in the dumps. <laughs> it's, it's like not even imperfect contrition. It's like major, super, ultra, mega imperfect contrition. And yet that's enough to be forgiven. It's enough for the father, not just, not just to be forgiven, to be restored, to be healed, to be brought back into right relationship with God and to be, in a way, even better off than you were before. Now, this is, this is not a plan to get better with God. Don't go sin just because <laughs> so you can get better after. And you know, It doesn't work that way. But you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm talking about, I mean, this is, this is real, folks. This is God's love and mercy, the, the kind of love and mercy he's got for me and for you. Doesn't make sense. Does not make sense to us in our little brains. We try to make it make sense, but it doesn't. But that's how he comes to us. That's how he calls us to himself. All we have to do is recognize, kind of wake up and recognize, hey, I'm in sin and it's not, you know, I'm a sinner. 
and I need to go back to God to be helped. And so as soon as we do that, he comes to us and restores us. I don't know about you. This is just speaks, speaks volumes to me. It is so amazing to me. I just can't get over the way that God has worked in my life and how much he has put up with <laughs> from me. But even more than that, how he has just, ah, I don't know, the mercy of God. And that's what I was talking about in the opening prayer today is that we need to have that same love and mercy that God has for us. We need to share that with others. And from my perspective, the, 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 the message that I bring to you is that same one that Mother Teresa used to, used to say. Oftentimes, the people who need our love and mercy the most are the ones in our own family, the ones that, that live with us, or in our own family that, you know, maybe we're adults now, and so we have brothers and sisters that live in other places, but we don't talk to them so much, or we have grievances or, or whatever, right? Those are the folks who need the love and mercy from us more than anybody else. It's not the people in India or China or wherever. It's right here in our own families. And so that's definitely part of what the Catholic food is all about. Really wanted to bring the family together, really wanting to help them to come to see the, the, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God in the family and even right there around the family table and the family meal. Hi, I'm Puny. And I'm Ray. And this is Mary in the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> we are entering my favorite time of the year here in central Ohio. The air is cooling down and we've had to hunt down our socks and sweatshirts. Apples are coming into season and I've been baking and cooking and planning for applesauce, baked delights, and apple butter. The leaves haven't yet changed, but they're starting. It won't be long before a wave of gold and orange and red accompanies my drives to anywhere. Soon, the fields around us will be dotted with combines and wagons and tractors as the farmers harvest the corn and beans. I'll no longer have to guess and pray as I pull out of my driveway. The wall of corn will be in a silo and the field a remnant for winter. The changing seasons always invigorate me. On the cusp of the weather changes, I feel my senses start to pay extra attention and I can't help but feel excited every time. Our church calendar has that effect on me, too. We're nearing the end of the liturgical year with a rash of feasts and celebrations that make me rub my hands together. There are many, many Marian feasts, and there are other great saints to notice, too. Maybe, more than anything, is the feeling of a fresh start right around the corner. Lest we get in a rut of sin and despair, Mother Church has provided us with opportunities to refocus, resharpen, and rededicate our very selves. Come on into the kitchen with Mother Mary and let's bake a few goodies to mark the change in season. I'm going to start with a simple recipe that always comforts me. One Our Father three Hail Marys, and a Glory Be. I have a special intention in mind, and I'd like to invite you to add yours. Together, we'll make something delicious while we enjoy the fall sunsets. Until next week, may the work in your kitchen bring you back to Mary's lap, where she'll be sure to point you straight to her son. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. That was Sarah Reinhard, uh, where you can find Sarah at snoringscholar.com. Sarah brings us Mary in the Kitchen each week, and we are very, I'm very appreciative, I know, and I've, you know, I've had lately uh, a number of people uh, either uh, actually write to me or comment on catholicfoodie.com about how much they love the Mary in the Kitchen segment. So um, if you, too, love all the good stuff that uh, that Sarah brings to us Every week, you may want to drop her a line as well, or you can comment 
on the uh, the post with the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. And, you know, Sarah, it's funny. Uh, you're up north there in Ohio, and uh, down here in the south, you know, we 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 really don't get the benefit of the change of seasons. We, I don't know. I mean, it's you know, sometimes it's December and I'm still walking around in shorts, you know. Uh, when I was in Ohio, I loved, loved the change of seasons. It's so beautiful. But we don't really get them here. Um, I love, I love it. I get an artificial sense of it, <laughs> I guess. I guess that's what I get. Uh, but the trees don't really change that much, and, and it takes a long time for it to get cool. Uh, but, man, I love the fall. There's just something about the fall that's it's my favorite. Don't know why. Don't know why. I also want to give a special shout-out and thanks to L'Angelus for letting us use their Ave Maria in the show. That's what uh, Sarah uses there for Mary in the Kitchen. L'Angelus is a, uh, a Catholic. They're all Catholic. It's a Catholic family. It's a band out of Lafayette. They're now residing in Tennessee, though, in Nashville, I believe. So uh, you can find them at CajunRecords.com. They're also on iTunes, L'Angelus. And don't forget to visit uh, Sarah Reinhardt over at SnoringScholar.com. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This mm -hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day to the day that you die, why not be good at it? Well, folks, this uh, this is normally where we would have the dessert section, a dessert segment, but uh, today, uh, no dessert. Uh, remember, I'm, I'm trying to give that up. <laughs> but we will end with a prayer of thanksgiving after meals. This is something I've been wanting to do for a long time, but I haven't done. I just keep forgetting, to be honest. Let's do that right now. Eternal Father, we thank you for all the graces you pour out upon us. Thank you for our faith, our family, our friends. Thank you especially for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you for his saving death and his glorious resurrection. And thank you for the unfathomable, unfathomable mercy you bestow upon us through his most sacred heart. Help us, Father, to receive your mercy with an open heart and then to share it with those we meet, especially those who have sinned against us. We ask this through Christ Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, Amen. All right, don't forget, if you have something to say to the Catholic Foodie, you want something to, uh, to, to, to suggest or an idea, a thought, whatever it may be, give me a call at 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. You can always email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. Don't forget, sign up for the newsletter. Newsletter going out about the 20th of this month, somewhere around the 20th, about eight days away. Don't want to miss that. It's going to be very exciting. Lots of good people contributing. Go to catholicfoodie.com slash newsletter, and you can sign up there. And also, this week, Faith and Family Live. I will be there as a guest blogger this week, Monday through Friday, Faith and Family Live at faithandfamilylive.com. I've got lots of good goodies coming to you over there and even a special episode that will go out to the Faith and Family Live uh, family there. Faith and Family Live family. That that works. That works. All right. And finally, you got a recipe. Do you have a recipe? I hope so. Do you have a healthy recipe? I hope so. You can submit that recipe over at catholicfoodie.com slash add recipe. It will go on the website with your name on it as the contributor. So please do so, catholicfoodie.com slash add recipe. And uh, once again, as we close out here, I want to thank divineoffice.org our sponsors for the show. Uh, if you want to know more about Divine Office, the Divine Office iPhone app, it's all about the liturgy of the hours, folks, growing in prayer, good stuff, tradition of the church, awesome. Uh, you can go over to catholicfoodie.com slash divineoffice uh, to see more about my thoughts, my love for the work that uh, the folks over there at divineoffice.org are doing. Fantastic stuff. Go check out what I have to say over at catholicfoodie.com slash divineoffice. And until next time, bon appétit.
SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.